Okay, you two have got the pheromone crazies. You've touched the egg, and now it's making you do stupid things. You let go of me! I will murder you if you hurt my baby. Do you understand? <laughs> They're so extra. <laughs> Why do you want to lick this egg? I want to lick this egg. Oh, that goes away in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy. Egg beats Evan mitts, bitch. Now you're my sister wife. Yo, Julie, you want to get a lick off this egg? Oh, four parents? I mean, I guess it worked on Big Love. Juliet, do not lick that egg! Don't, don't! <laughs> Funny thing is, magic doesn't work on me the way it does on you! <laughs> Travel or follow us and this egg's over easy, you hear me? Sam's gone the cop, I kept it. Smart. No. Back off. Falcor. <laughs> I love everything about that scene. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. All right. Um, hi everyone. Welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And this week we're talking about episode 408, Home Improvement, written by Jay Gard and Alex Raymond. Are they like new writers? I don't think we have had anything written by them. Um, I, I wasn't sure. I thought I have to go back and check that they didn't do anything last year. I think they might have co-written something with John. Um, but they're definitely newer writers. I believe they came up the the traditional path in the writer's room. Before we dive in, here's a recap of what happened. Fenn sets out on a quest to find the woman behind her prophetic dreams with Margot tagging along. After a false start, she learns that she can only confront this magical creature, which goes by the name The Napster, in an actual dream. Meanwhile, Quentin and Julia seek draconic help to find the monster's kidney stone and run into a very pregnant Poppy Klein in the process. Hijinks ensue after Katie realizes Quentin and Poppy are under the spell of nurturing pheromones emitted by a fertilized dragon egg, but in the end, Julia and Katie manage to wrest the egg away and trade it for another divine organ. At the same time, Alice is making amends with her mother to help Zelda track down Harriet. As the episode comes to a close, Fen finally gets her prophecy. She must dethrone High King Margot, violently if necessary. Ember's balls. Danny, what did you think? It was a really funny episode, and I definitely think it takes place as more of one of those filler episodes, Mm -hmm. as we have come to know. And I, I think they like to throw the filler ones in after very heavy episodes yeah Um, yeah I agree though I also think that there's just right like there have been not just a lot of heavy episodes but a lot of episodes that have advanced plot lines in ways that are maybe that that maybe don't quite align with the timeline that we have seen throughout right so like the last episode you have it through the frame of Penny telling like telling these stories or people reading from the books. And so it's never really clear exactly when things are happening. And that seems like a good time to put a filler episode after. Yeah. That and, of course, they're not going to address uh, who Penny saw coming no. out of the elevator. I don't think we're going to see that until the the last episode or the penultimate episode. And my money is on the penultimate episode because John and Sarah said it was so crazy. It's probably going to end like showing it that way. The penultimate episode or the final one? Like, the penultimate episode is probably going to end with that reveal. Yeah. I and feel then like, you, like, get the whole next episode is, like, context. Yeah. I feel like especially especially if I'm right about who it is, you couldn't have that be the cliffhanger to the actual season because people would just be too freaked out. So That's true. 
my bets on that on 412. Um, what else? What are your other initial impressions before we go deep dive? Um, let's see. I mostly just liked how funny this episode was. It, mm-hmm. it made me laugh quite a bit. I think one of the writers said, like, tweeted at some point this season that, like, might have been Christina even, that, like, the best writing advice they got was um, take out everything that isn't a joke. Um, and I feel like that's this episode in a nutshell. Like, every <laughs> <Yeah>. single... I mean, <laughs> there's some stuff that's serious, but for the most part, it's just, like, joke, 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 and they all hit in a row. And you just kind of can't catch your breath from laughing. Yeah, and... It's just funny because, like, I mean, we just watched episode 407 with everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you already just, like, everyone is already freaking out about the promo. Which oh, yeah, yeah. Which shows Poppy being pregnant and just <laughs> people are freaking out. So I can't wait for them to actually watch the episode because I just, it's like I want to reply to them, but, like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I mean... I can't remember. I know I didn't spoil it for you, but I know I just, like, texted you something like, what the fuck in all caps with a bunch of exclamation points after it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't expecting what we got. (laughs) (laughs) I know, because then when you watched it, like, four hours later, you texted me, what the fuck, with (laughs) 12 exclamation points. I also just, like, wasn't really expecting to see Poppy again this season, so that was quite a shocker. Oh, why weren't you expecting to see her? I don't know. Like, I just, like... I feel like it's something we would have heard about, like, beforehand. Like, oh, yeah, like, you know. Felicia um, Day is back. Felicia Day is going to be in at least an episode of this season. And so just not hearing about it was kind of weird and then her popping up. Mm. So for sort of production-type reasons and PR reasons, not for, like, any character reasons. Yeah, mostly just, like, because, like, we learned about the fact that she was going to be in the show, period, like, way before like we had seen the episodes with her in it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think it was near the beginning of the season in season three that's true okay well let's dive in um i want to start just by asking you what you think of margot and fen teaming up i thought it was a lovely combination um (laughs) margot they're they're always fun to like watch together because like they love and appreciate each other so much but they also just like kind of like can't stand each other at the same time they're like the odd <laughs> so couple. Just, yeah they're just always like kind of like back and forth which is actually similar to her relationship with josh margos or yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i kind of wonder i've been seeing a lot of people like wanting margo and fen to be a couple which i mean i can imagine more now than i could have last season um but you saying that, that, like, the way that Margot interacts with Fen and the way Margot interacts with Josh are very similar makes me understand it a lot more. Yeah. I don't know if I could get behind them as a couple, mostly just because, like, although it's a similar dynamic, Margot Margo just doesn't deserve Fen. <laughs> She's given her a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. Well, and... You know, she's still And I feel her like baby. she's given Josh like way less shit. So Yeah, I agree with that. I do though, I really like their their like friend or co questing dynamic. Um like Margot's sass and confidence plus Fen's general good nature and like being up for anythingness. Yeah. I just I think they balance each other so well. And that scene 
The one where they're like setting down the tiles outside the uh, fake prophecy lady's <laughs> cabin. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. <laughs> um, there's like so many little bits of that. Um, there's the whole thing about like Fen dropping that she watched Karate Kid. Yeah, where's she getting all this this pop culture knowledge? Like, Todd sending she's it like, to her, you know. <laughs> she, I feel like, yeah, that that's probably the case. <laughs> it's probably from Todd. Todd's probably like, you have to watch like the best movie. He just sent her back with like a DVD DVD player and a whole bunch of like eighties movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, like the the drop of her like saying that she met Sean Parker at like an Arby's like <laughs> oh killed me. Killed How me. She- I just like. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, right, like, that's also, like, a deep level of pop culture knowledge because not only does she have to, like, know who that is, she has to know what they look like and, <laughs> I don't know. What, I just... what if what if she had watched The Social Network and she thought it was real and she had actually met Justin Timberlake and had no idea? Oh, kind of like the promo with the Lion King thing? <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Um... Um, I, I actually, I really, you know, I like that. That's a great headcanon that Fen met Justin Timberlake and thought <laughs> um, and thought it was uh, Sean... What's his last name? Sorry, you said it. Sean just, Parker. Yeah, and thought it was Sean Parker. Like, that would be such a perfect Fen moment to meet, like, the <laughs> super famous guy and be excited because it was someone less famous. <laughs> yeah. She probably said a lot of awkward stuff to him, too, and, like, he was just kind of like, I just played the guy? I'm not actually the guy. <laughs> <laughs> There was one exchange between Margot and Fen that I really, really liked um, mm-hmm. in those scenes. It's the one where Margot says, I seriously underestimate you sometimes, you know that. And Fen just, like, totally matter-of-factly says, yeah, I know that. <laughs> There's no judgment. She just knows that people have underestimated her. Mm-hmm. And Margot's, well, not anymore, seems prescient. It seems like there's going to be some Fen action later on. Yeah, I think their relationship is just building. I, I do really like their um, dynamic, and I think it's hilarious because, like, obviously, Fen just keeps picking up all this, like, <laughs> all this, like, lingo from Margo. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like swearing constantly now. <laughs> it is really fun, and, and like that she's adapted these swears, so it's not just Earth swears. She's like created her whole new, a whole new vocabulary of Florian swears. Yeah. She's very linguistically innovative. You got to give that to her. Definitely. Um, I'm also curious about what you think about Fen's journey more broadly. How do you think she's changed since we first saw her in season two? Man, she's changed a lot since season two. Um, Because, like, she was literally just Elliot's wife then. Yeah. And really nothing more than that. And it wasn't until season three and they gave her that storyline with their daughter not daughter (laughs) that she really came into being like a character like a real character yeah it's funny because with them thinking Elliot's dead with Elliot being like sort of dead not dead and then everyone in Fillory believing that he's dead it's kind of like they did a second fridging the guy to make the female character more badass. Yeah, and I mean, it's also part of Margot's journey, it seems, too, to kind of be able to, like, work without Elliot. Yeah, so let's talk about Margot's journey, too, because 
what I am noticing is that she shows a lot more vulnerability this season than she ever has before. Um, I saw a really great thread about that on Twitter earlier tonight, about how she's come to be in touch with her emotions and like neither she nor Elliot <laughs> had any anything to do with their emotions before this season. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think, like how you think her journey compares with the journey we saw for her in the books. Because I have some thoughts. I mean, it's just, it's very different. Like, Margot's just way more of a centralized character than Janet ever got to be. Because, mm. like, a lot of, like, she's barely in books two and three. Like, yeah. she kind of pops in and out every once in a while. And you get her, like, journey and her her point of view chapter. Yeah, in book three. Because from for a bulk of the book, she's just a mean girl. She's just, a like, a, a static yeah. character. She's so awful to Alice in book one. Yeah. And so that she's just changed so much, even like even in her like little everyday relationships with some of the characters. She cares a lot more about Quentin, mm-hmm. about even Elliot, I feel like. I don't think they're as codependent on each other in the books as they are in the show. Mm, yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, in the in the books, there's always the thing where you can tell a little more that she is romantically attached to Elliot, especially in the first book. Like that's a thing that eventually goes away. She eventually kind of gets past it. But I think you're right that in the show, they are much more like the only, the only friends that (laughs) the other has. I mean, not entirely obviously, but I think it's especially true for Margot. She just doesn't connect with people. She just doesn't let anyone else in. Yeah, I think what's interesting to me in comparing Janet's journey in the books to Janet's journey, or to Margot's journey in the show, sorry, hard to switch names. <laughs> um, in the books, when we when we get what we've been promised um, will be Margot's journey for this season, um, she's relaying what happened to her to Elliot. And there's that comment he sort of makes, he, he like, makes in his narrator head. I never know how to talk about that, but is that kind of comment that he has that he always wondered what was like under all her armor and all her anger and having that conversation, he realizes maybe it's just more armor and more anger. And that's not the vibe that I get from her in the show at all. I definitely get the impression in the show that as things have moved forward, you can see that there is somebody that is not just armored, not just angered underneath. You can see that there is real vulnerability there. Um, yeah. And I really like that personally. I like that she's a full person. Yeah. I'm really curious to see like, if we ever do get more backstory on Margo, like what made yeah. Margo who she is. Um, that would be really interesting to see. Yeah. Um, I feel like it can't be, I feel like her backstory in the show can't be the same as her, like the limited backstory we get from her in the books. Yeah. I think she's, and it seems like she's, she's mad at Josh in this episode, but it seems like she's falling for him pretty hard. Yeah. Like, even though like at the end of the episode, it's just uh, like Fen's dream, but she talks about how she's like wants to beg for his forgiveness. And I'm going to marry that guy. And I'm like, most of her dreams have still been pretty accurate. So like, is that Uh like actually something Margo's thinking or feeling? I bet it is. I think, 
I sometimes I feel like Fen is the voice of Margot's true thoughts and feelings when they're together. Margot denies everything that Fen's like, hey, you know, Fen Fen goes up to her and is like, hey, what's going on? Are you and Josh okay? And she's like, it's fine. There's nothing going on. But you can tell that Fen is right. Fen has picked up on something important and real. So mm-hmm. I buy that. I think I, I think independent of the whole cat lady prophecy, um, <laughs> I still feel like Fen speaks the truth about Margot pretty much all the time. She sees her. She sees the real her. Yeah. I feel like they all do, though. <laughs> they all know Margot pretty well. Do you think Quentin does? Or Alice? Alice probably doesn't, but Alice doesn't want to. Alice doesn't care about her that much. I feel like at least most of them do. I think, like, I feel like Julia, like, has probably, like, a deep respect for Margot. I don't know about Quentin, though. Maybe. Quentin's always very much in his own world. Yeah. I loved that in the first interview we did with Lev, the one that was by email, I love that line he said about how um, really it's it's Quentin's depression that makes it hard for him to fully empathize with anyone else because it, it does keep him focused on himself. Um, and I feel like there's there have been moments of growth for him on the show, but there hasn't been anything that's really broken him out of that in a permanent way. And especially with his dad dying this season and Elliot being monsterified and everything else that's going on, I feel like, yeah, we get these little glimpses that there is some hardcore depression going on there that he is trying very studiously to ignore. I think he's only good at really paying attention to, like, one thing at once. Like, he's very much a one-track-minded guy. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's... I think that's true in his relationships as well, right? I think that part of his hardcore rejection of Alice, in addition to just him being hurt by her, is also because he really wants to focus on his relationship with Elliot. And Mm -hmm. he can't really do both at the same time. Yeah, that that was how I kind of took his his absolute over-the-top anger. He's just like, he just... He literally just doesn't have room for Alice. Yeah, yeah. So this seems like a good time for us to move into the Scooby Gang storyline. Um, mm. I really love that term. <laughs> Ever since you put it in your notes, it's just what I think of them all the time as. <laughs> I mean, like, I kind of stole that from Buffy because that's what they call the, Don't the care. Buffy gang. And Don't then... care. <laughs> <laughs> so my first question to you, what was going on in your brain when Poppy and Quentin said they were having a baby? I feel like I just immediately thought it was a misdirect. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, mm, no, nah, I don't believe it. And then it obviously wasn't true. So I was like, thank God. I literally was like, thank God. Yeah, I feel like my first thought was that it better not actually be his baby. <laughs> that, would, <laughs> Which, that would be some crazy sociopathic energy going into the world. Oh, my God. But I do really lo- I love that he wanted to name it Falcor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't blame him. <laughs> what would you name your dragon baby? I don't know. I'd probably name it, like, after one of the dragons from, like, Game of Thrones or something. Like, <laughs> Dr- Drogon, I think, is, like, the main one. Hmm. And there's Rhaegal or something. I don't know. I don't know. Like, someone else can point out the actual names. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm pretty sure it's Drogon is, like, her main dragon. 
Maybe I, I if 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 it were a girl a girl baby dragon, maybe I'd just name it Daenerys. Why not? Yeah, that would be rad. And then it's sort of named after you too. <laughs> yeah, I loved when I like started watching that, and like they don't they rarely say like Dan- Danny when they mm-hmm. talk to her, but it happens every once in a while. It's pretty rad. Yeah, I'm curious what you think of Poppy now, and if you think. Like, the way you think of her has changed it all from last season. Because I feel like my perception has really changed. <laughs> I don't think so. You still I, think she's like, a sociopath? I do think she's a sociopath. She's so different from the poppy that we had in the books. Like, <laughs> so different. Yeah, she's also... It's funny, now that I work with a ton of Australians, she's not... Poppy Show Poppy is not Australian at all. Like, her vibe is not Australian. I don't think she's supposed to be, is she? Like, yeah, I don't in the books. They... No, in the books she is, but I don't think they no. made that a thing at all in the show. No, <laughs> I mean, Felicia Day is not trying to do an accent. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't really see her as a sociopath anymore, and I think that's mostly this episode. Quentin calls her... One of the things that stuck out to me was that Quentin calls her selfish when they're, like, talking in front of the door. And it doesn't really bother her. And, I mean, that could be a sociopathic thing for sure, but it seems to me more like she knows this about herself, right? Like, she knows she's selfish, she accepts it. And in that speech she gives him at the end about, like, why she wants to be a mom at this point, it really feels like she knows what she's about and what her limitations are. She's just this driven, goal-oriented person who doesn't let herself get distracted and doesn't let anyone get in her way. I like that. I mean, I still think she's a shitty person to anyone. Like, she's completely unreliable for anyone around her. But -hmm. if you don't rely on her, if you don't go in expecting her, yeah, expecting that from her, I don't think she's going to, like, screw you over just for the sake of screwing you over. Hmm. Do you disagree? Do you think she would screw you over? Just to screw you over? I think she would. I think she would. I don't think she really cares too much about anybody. Well, that's the thing, though. Um, I don't we think haven't she seen her relationships with anyone too much, though. Like, she was apparently really close to Victoria, who, like, I'm pretty sure is still dead. Um. <laughs> so that, I think, brings up um, another important point. Who do you think Poppy's real baby daddy is? Could it be I Josh? She, I thought she says. She says in the episode that she went to some mating ritual or something. I thought that was separate. So the first time, I thought that was her revealing who the baby daddy was. But when I watched it the second time... I think that was just her explanation of why she forgot to get the abortion. Because she was, like, going off, doing fun stuff. And she just, oops. <laughs> oh, I thought she meant, so like, pregnant. she partook in the mating ritual and then... <laughs> That's what I thought the first time. But the second time I didn't. And I kind of wonder, didn't Poppy and Josh get together? I guess it would have been, like, two seasons ago, though. It was, ago, like, though. forever ago. It was, yeah. like, predated the, like her even being on the show because that's it happened I think in Fillory or like before that so I don't think it could be Josh's unless I hooked up again (laughs) I wouldn't put it past him oh so other just things that we have to mention about the storyline I fucking love Penny 23 licking the egg (laughs) oh yeah that was pretty funny I was just like why is he doing that (laughs) but before before we completely move on from Quentin and Poppy part, mm-hmm. Quentin's really sad. 
Like, when she starts talking about having a baby, and then she asks him, like, if he ever saw himself as being a dad, and then just, like, that look in his eyes, like, mm. yeah. Because he actually is a dad. Oh, and he shit, remembers yeah. it. Oh, I didn't, I didn't connect that with, like, him thinking about the the Quelliot timeline, the day in the lifetime, or life in the day. Mm-hmm. I've lost track of which direction that title goes, but that's yeah. a really good point. He does have a kid. I still wonder if that kid is going to come back somehow. I don't know how, but. I I mean, I'm just going to throw that out there, but, like, what if it's Todd? What if Todd is his baby <laughs> and doing magical <laughs> fucking weird timeline, like, time travel magic to to get to know his fucking dad you will do <laughs> any mental shenanigans necessary to make todd the center of things <laughs> be he like he has to be i mean they even make the comment in the last episode of him not being the center of shit like he has to be the center <laughs> of something he's the center of our podcast that's probably enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i mean i feel like he's got to like the the kid has got to show up again at some point yeah i agree with that um, and I do think, I mean, I think there's going to be something more substantive that we'll get out of the Todd, out of Todd as a character at some point. I think the musical episode last season, um, all that Josh or whatever it was called, um, where he was, where Adam DeMarco was playing the like demon version of Josh. Uh-huh. First of all, that showed that we can get some nuance out of Adam DeMarco, that he can be different characters and play something more dramatic. But it also makes me think that, so, I mean, that makes me think that they will try to use him in different ways. But I also just feel like no character has remained fully comic relief. Margot was comic relief in the first season and she has clearly come very far. Um, Fen has been comic relief at various points in time, but she has some serious shit going on. Um, and, you know, had a ton of serious shit going on in season three. And I just don't see the show committing to any character being comic relief and only comic relief for the entirety of their existence. Yeah. So I'm with you in that respect. I don't think he's going to be the center of everything. But <laughs> Nah, not the center of everything, but he's going to be the center of at least a story. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a full-on Todd episode at some point. That would be, like, the best bottle episode ever. <laughs> um, oh, one last thing I want to mention before we switch, um, switch what we talk about. Katie busting out the gun and Julia giving her mad respect and um, Katie and Julia working together again, getting hints of those old, uh, did you get the pickle wick off I, I vibes. Can't... <laughs> I can't wait for people to see that because everyone just say, you know, the wake off discussion has been pretty high this season. Mm-hmm. Like when is it going to happen? When are we going to get our best bitches back? This is a good episode for that. Yeah. Um, I think I, I remember when I saw it, I was just like, I feel like she was turned on. Like, uh-huh. honestly, I, I, I was like, <laughs> <Girl>. <laughs> <laughs> she was definitely impressed. And I think, I think all parts of her were impressed. <laughs> yeah it was nice seeing them together again um because they've had so much negative energy lately yeah even at the beginning of the season there was a lot of especially from katie's end like we are not getting back together again kind of yeah and i think it makes it even more awkward for her because like 
clearly like Julia and like Penny are becoming some sort of thing and it's like it's mm. not her Penny but it's probably really hard for her to like feel that and see that yeah yeah I wonder though especially after last episode if she is maybe over at least over that part of it right like if she has severed that tie in her brain between Penny 23 and Penny 40 probably probably for the most part but probably not completely because it was in the last episode I think that Penny goes up to her right and then tells her uh this is what your Penny said or was Mm -hmm. that in this episode now I can't remember Uh, let's see no, no, no! It's this episode. Yeah, it's this episode okay, yeah. because the we only see Penny twenty three and yeah, this one. I I keep thinking they're gonna set up Katie and and Pete, and I know you've seen my notes about this like over and over again, but I really think they are, and I'm like, don't want it to happen. I I don't think that's gonna happen. They have very little chemistry, but like, I don't know. He's like super into her and. Do you think he's into her or he's just like, I kind of feel like he is somebody who likes to be near power and he sees her as powerful. I don't really think he has real romantic feelings for her. I mean, she saved his life. And so I think he might be thinking of it that way. Hmm. I don't know. All right. Well, let's move on. Saving the best for last, at least in my opinion. Let's talk about Alice's storyline. I always feel like I get so much insight into her character when I see her with her mom. And you mentioned this in your notes. Like, her mom has changed a lot since Alice's dad died. Oh, yeah. She seems, like, happier. So expand (laughs) on that a little. How does she seem happier? I don't know. It's just, like, a feeling. Because she was super just sloppy drunk in all the other episodes that we've seen her in. Mm. And she just seems more, like, put together... I don't know, like, she looks like, like, a free woman. Like, I don't know, maybe, like, her dad isn't uh, all he's cracked up to be. I kind of wondered, too, if Stephanie and Daniel, that's his name, right? Yeah. I kind of wondered if they had a kind of codependent relationship. It's definitely how it's painted in the books, right? Like, they're both so bored with their lives and so bored with magic. Um and in some ways so bored with each other, but they just, they glom onto each other at the exclusion of everything else because what what the fuck else are they going to do? Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if him dying has allowed her to step back from that. She also, she just is a really selfish person and um, very focused on, like, very self-absorbed too. Yeah. And I think living alone can be really good for someone like that or at least it's less bad for everyone around them yeah I I always go back and forth with with her mother because like she'll be fucking awful for one second and then she'll sound something that sounds say something that sounds slightly nice and then it just goes (laughs) like the very end of their scene when (laughs) they're like having that vulnerable moment and she ends it by just saying, oh, so it was your fault. And I do think she means the, like, nice thing she says, but she just, like, immediately is one of those people who just yeah. can't be, like, too vulnerable, so she just, like, has to turn it into a joke. Yeah, that's a really good point. She can't seem to be vulnerable at all. 
I do, though. I think one of my favorite shots in this episode is the one of Alice and Stephanie casting the spell together with their hands over the mirror. And both just, it's a really lovely shot, technically. But also, as much as they are different people, that shot really underscores for me the similarities that they do have and the things that Alice has taken from her mother. Like, the way that they both look with their rings. Um, There's clearly a little bit of sort of inspiration in the way that Alice... I don't know if it's the way that she dresses or just like the her aesthetic that comes a little bit from Stephanie. And I think that's an important point to me because right like the the more you kind of resist being like one of your parents it's the more those pieces filter in and find their way into your personality. Yeah. And Alice definitely resists being like Stephanie. Definitely. <laughs> I don't blame her. <laughs> what do you think of the fact that it is Alice whose resentment is getting in the way of the spell? I think it's, like, really telling about Alice. Like, she... I think she gets in the way of herself a lot. Mm. Like, she gets in the way of her magical potential all the time. Mm-hmm. She refuses to see just how powerful she is, or she might see it. She just doesn't want to. Yeah, she doesn't want to be that powerful. She doesn't want to be. Um, and then the one time she gave into that, I mean, she became indifferent. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe she wasn't all wrong about that. Yeah. Do you think that moment of vulnerability they have, um, where Alice acknowledges that it's on her? Do you think it's possible for that to change their relationship? I do think that they're probably going to have a better relationship now that that's off the table. And especially the fact that, you know, I feel like Alice's love for her dad probably got in the way of her having a relationship with her mom. And now her dad's gone. So there's think- just nothing left there. Do you think that's because her dad and her mom had a difficult relationship? Or do you think it's something else? I do think that. And, you know, you always have that one parent that's, like, easier on you. And Mm. that kind of baby you. And I bet, like, his her dad seemed to be very similar in that he was afraid of a lot of stuff, too. And I think that's the reason, like, that holds her back. And I feel like without her dad around to do that she might not hold back as much and then it just might open the door of her being able to understand her mom a little bit more Mm, yeah I mean it what you're saying about her holding back um and yet having all this power at the same time it kind of makes me wonder like if she does that in part because not just she's afraid of the power she has but she's afraid of being like her mother yeah. I'm wondering if her mother was, like, a really powerful witch. Yeah, we never... I mean, we see her do very little in the way of magic. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, she's, like... Alice is, like, a, a prodigy. Like, her parents are very... And her dad... Or her dad, her brother, was really good, too. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be power in there somewhere. Yeah. I would like to know more about, like, that family history. Same. Maybe the graphic novel will give us that. Yes, I hope so. Oh, my God. Uh, Comes out June, July, something like that? I think so. Pre-orders are up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have to say, I really do hope that 
Alice and her mother can have some a somewhat better relationship. Because I think, for me, it's not about does Stephanie deserve this or does Alice need this. It's just that having an adult relationship with your parents um, is a really important part of growth in a lot of ways. And I think for Alice especially, one of her big issues is that she she's not really good at setting boundaries. She's more passive-aggressive than assertive with almost everyone in her life. And mm-hmm. I think if she could work through things with her mom, it might help her grow up and move on, you know? Yeah. This is not about Alice and her mom, but it's still sort of part of the same storyline. Why do you think Sheila joined the Order? Um, I'm assuming that they, she was, they probably told her, oh, you can help people. I think they just sold the whole thing on her. And maybe she sees it more as like being able to help people. Maybe Sheila wants to work them from the inside hmm. and, and, and give that. Um, I do think that she just wants to be able to help people and that seems to be what the library sells people on and I mean you're starting to get that slowly with with Zelda's character as well like that's probably what she was sold on initially and now I think she's starting to realize it's a not quite what it seems and she's pretty high up in the library so yeah I I agree I don't think it can just be about like her wanting power or to learn more magic right that can't be it And she says something, I think, at the end, too, that what she's doing right now is really helping people. But I'm curious what that is, especially given, like, everything that we saw in the last episode in 407. It seems like the library is taking a a left-hand turn into evil. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I wonder what the things are that they are doing that are good enough that someone like Sheila who doesn't have a relationship with magic already would see from the outside and say, Oh, that's good. That's something I want to be involved with. I haven't really thought about what Sheila might be doing too much yet. Like, I don't know if they're going to bring her back up, if she's going to be around more. I hope they do. I mean, I feel like if they didn't, that would be a serious waste of Cameron Mannheim. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) All right. Um, any final thoughts on this episode before we move on to fashion? Um, let's see. I know I have quite a few notes. <laughs> you do. I wanted to point out that the dragon is voiced by Amber Childers, who is on You. She plays Candace, who's oh. Joe's old girlfriend. Nice. Joe's old girlfriend. That I recognized her voice murdered. and I couldn't figure it out. I, I, the only reason I noticed is because it, 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 I think it popped up in the name credits and I was like, I know that name <laughs> and that's where I knew the name from. Um, I still want to know, like, how the fuck are they all able to go everywhere? Like, and just and nothing bad happens to them. Oh, like, like, I can explain that, I think. Because I don't, I think the the glamouring spells were about not wanting the monster to find them, not about protecting them from the library. The library, as we saw in 407, is is kind of tracking them, but they don't see most of them as a threat. Yeah, and I know that Alice changed their stories, but, like, even before she did that, <laughs> they're just walking around like no big deal. Like, I'm assuming that they might be, like, 
glamoring themselves when they leave the house as well or something, but I don't know. I think it's probably simpler than that. Side note, because I didn't I didn't get around to asking you this last episode. How much do you love that the reason Zelda was able to figure out Alice's book was bullshit was because she was a dog person in it instead of a cat person. I thought that was hilarious. And I just think <laughs> the idea of, I think she also just was like, why the fuck would Alice work at a craft brewery in Portland? Like, <laughs> that's like so not Alice at all. Uh, okay, a couple finals. Um, oh, and the oh, yeah, only other thing I, I just want to say how much I like, fucking love the librarian gavin i think he's mm-hmm. amazing oh yeah we he's didn't talk like, about the sex voodoo doll scene but like he, he's always coming oh, in with just God. like so many like like i'm just like i feel that like he's so reluctant to actually do his job <laughs> that i'm curious as to like why he even has the job it's like did they make him be like a librarian recruit because he's a traveler like i, that's I feel like my they guess. have something on him because he's so reluctant he's like i don't want to fill out the paperwork i don't care like <laughs> <laughs> yeah for a bureaucrat he really hates bureaucracy yeah <laughs> well and i mean you see it a little bit too like in because he's in the previous episode and talking to zelda like and he seems like you know he does seem reluctant to do any of it mm-hmm like, he's like, I'm sorry that, like, you know, I killed your daughter, but <laughs> kind of had to. Yeah. So, some final stray thoughts I had before moving to fashion. So, this one's actually from your notes, but I agree with it. Katie suggesting that they turn Whitley in is like, what the hell? I thought you were good, Katie. What are, what are you doing with this bullshit? Also, just the sad monster going through withdrawal. <laughs> so grumpy. Oh, yeah. I I thought it was funny when he was just like, basically, Quentin's like, no drugs. And he's like, yes, drugs. <laughs> um, the sex voodoo dolls, that whole scene of them like playing, like flicking the librarian, the voodoo dolls um, crotches, the librarian voodoo yeah. doll crotches. Oh, my God. It was so funny. And the guy who plays Gavin, what is his name? David Falls. David? Right? Or no, it's Dan. Dan Nemes, I think. Oh, okay, Dan Nemes. Uh, yeah, it was just the ramp up to that scene was so fantastic. I loved it so much. And of course, we cannot get get through this episode without mentioning instructive pregnancy dragonborn. <laughs> <laughs> that Poppy Klein wrote herself. <laughs> <laughs> Did she? I missed that. It was written yeah, by her? it was written by Poppy. <laughs> of course she writes comic book dragon porn about pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, fashion. So I noticed a lot in this episode. First, after the conversation we had last week about how Penny 23 is so much less, um, what was the word? Chestalicious, is that right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so much less chest delicious than penny 40 i noticed that he's wearing a shirt that shows off the goods this week did you notice that um i did not (laughs) yeah he's like wearing one of it's like a shirt that season one penny would have worn like it's a v-neck except for that the neck is like his belly button (laughs) yeah um i don't know i like for a hot second i was like is that actually penny 23 or did they swap but I don't think they swapped. I don't think that's the case. 
I mean, that's what I've been thinking was uh, Penny Forty's mo to begin with. Like, I'm just like he's just waiting to like take his place, hmm. and it could still be a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a possibility. I mean, he didn't tell him what is what was going to happen. So, yeah. Second, can we talk about Fen and Margot's pantsuits? Oh, they both look so good in this episode. Oh my god! And and uh, Fen's Fen's braids. Oh yeah, she looks amazing. It's I like I love so many of Fen's looks, but you know, you know, from last season, I'm obsessed with Fen and pants. Um, mm-hmm. And for this one, I love it because not only is it functional and badass. But it's still really feminine, so it still feels like something that Fen would choose for herself and not just something that she's wearing because it's expected because she's, like, on a quest or it's expected because she's a freaking wife of the high, of the former high king. I don't know how that works anymore, but, you know, it's it really feels like something that is made for her specifically. I liked hers. Um, I like... I liked Margot's as well. It was like an interesting outfit, though, because mm. I'm pretty sure she could take off the sleeves. Oh, really? Because at some point she was wearing just like a vest. Like it was like the <sighs> sleeves detached. It was weird, but it was cool. It It's funny because Margot's outfit, I really love it. But it also made me think more of something that Julia would wear. Um, it did kind of look like something Julia would wear. Yeah, like especially the lighter outfits that Julia wears earlier in the season when she's still sort of what what is her alter ego's name kimber kimber yeah yeah third i couldn't figure out what elliot what was on elliot's shirt i saw like an ear of corn (laughs) and that was it i don't think they ever show it in this episode i have to keep an eye out next episode they usually have been like in a couple right sometimes not always i think he's been changing like shirts like every episode recently Hmm. but he's been doing a lot of killing so (laughs) Um, and the last thing I want to mention was the silver tips on Gavin's suit moved. I was so weirded out by this when um, last week when we talked to Arjun, he was like, wait, were they on the shirt collar or on the wingtips? And I was like, wait, you you know these things backwards and forwards. Why are you asking me? But now I get it because last week they were on the wingtips and this week they were with the like bookmarky strip near one of them. And this week they were on the shirt collar. Um, and it made me wonder if we've been missing subtle differences in Penny's suit in the library from like appearance to appearance. Have you noticed any changes or? No, (laughs) I'm really bad at paying attention to this stuff though. (laughs) I know you pay attention to Julia's outfits and that's, that's like what I can rely on you for for this. (laughs) I do pay attention to her outfits, but I, I, I like a lot of people's outfits. Like, like even fucking Quentin actually is dressed up pretty well in this episode. He's wearing like a, like a. Like a nice shirt that's like tucked into his pants. <laughs> it's because he's playing dragon baby daddy. But he he was wearing that before he showed yeah, up. Yeah, no, it's like, true. No. He actually he looks really good in this episode. And part of that, I think, the scene where they go to see Harold the Herald, um, he's just so confident. And you never see Quentin confident, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Julia, I think, is, like, wearing, like, a blazer. I just remember thinking, like, I, I don't even remember exactly what she's wearing, but I just remember thinking, why is she so cute and hot at the same time? <laughs> you have a crush. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we need to go back to season three and, like, look more closely at Penny's suits because 
I feel like they they must be making small. Kelly wears it like twice. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like there must it, it it weirds me out so much that they changed Gavin's like a small detail about Gavin's from one episode to the other, and it makes me think that there must be other changes that we're missing. Potentially, Gavin's also one that like like is like on duty, so he leaves. <laughs> mm. Whereas Penny never leaves. That's true. Penny just kind of lives in his little hidey hole <laughs> in the underworld basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, any other fashion notes from you before we move to MVPs? I don't think so. Then it's MVP time. And since I went first last week, I'm making you start us out this time. Who's your MVP? It's a hard choice. Um, <laughs> God, I don't, I don't even know. Like, honestly, it's like, it's hard to choose one, but I feel like, Gonna give it to. I'm gonna get. Oh, this is hard. I'm gonna give it to the dragon. Nice. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) When all else fails, give it to the dragon. Honestly, like, there's no one, like, ensemble wise that really, like, completely stood out to me this week. Uh Like, everyone was pretty much on the same level, I feel like. I, I also had a really hard time deciding. Um, like Brittany was fucking hilarious as Fen, which makes me want to give it to her. But then Stella and Jade were great, both individually and together. And Felicia Day is always amazing. But my instinct, I think, is still to give it to Brittany. So I'm going to stick with that. It's a Brittany episode. She's hilarious. <laughs> the dragon and wick off. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Ratings time. Um, so I'm giving it a nine out of 10. Uh, I went back and forth between like eight or nine, but the thing is like, even though it's a filler episode, which would normally lead to me giving it a lower score, it's so funny. I screamed at my screen when, uh, Poppy and Quentin said they had an announcement to make. And then again, when Carol does the little sex voodoo act on the librarians, I was just, I was like rolling, laughing so hard. Um, especially Gavin's face in that scene. It was just priceless. And oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like the whole thing with Fen and Margot going on the quest together killed me. I just I loved their vibe from the beginning. I loved like Fen being like, uh, kind of thought it was my quest. What are you doing here? And I loved yeah. Margot being super self-absorbed and being like, Yeah, but all your dreams are about me, obviously. Yeah. Not wrong, though. Yeah. So it's a filler episode, but I'm still going to give it a 9 out of 10 because it made me laugh so hard. I was thinking about an 8 or 9 as well. So 9 out of 10. Like, <laughs> it is a good filler episode. Like, it, it's not one of those ones where you're just kind of rolling your eyes the whole time. No, you're just, like, dying laughing. Um, mm-hmm. It's so great. All right. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> um and I think that basically takes us to the end then. Mm-hmm. I think we got through everything this time. Yeah, I think we did. I actually, this is, this is solid. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for joining us again this week. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast service you use, and leave us a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you too, so tweet your questions, comments, and crackpot theories at us at PhysicalKidsPod. All right. Bye.
Mind slut. Oh, kitty! <laughs>